Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Hope you're having a great day. I'm excited for you to listen to an interview that I had with a phenomenal person who I have respected for a really long time. She does amazing work in the anxiety and OCD world and in just kid world in general. It's Rini Jane from GoZen.com. And many of you are probably familiar with GoZen, but it is a very cool website that has a lot of cartoons that help kids directly how to deal with their feelings, how to deal with anxiety, how to deal with OCD, and how to just deal with being a kid in general. So we had a great talk. She has some really good tips and insights in how to parent a child with anxiety or OCD. So without further ado, here is our conversation. Well, I want to welcome Rini to the show from Go Zen. I am so excited to have her here and pick her brain on how she can help your kids. So thanks for coming on. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you, I'm sure you are full of really good ideas. And I thought the topic that we could talk about today is how to motivate kids to independently help themselves with anxiety and OCD. Um, it's something that I'm really passionate about, like empowering them to help themselves. Yeah. I'm wondering what you think about, like, how do you begin that conversation with your child? You know, I don't think any of us as kids, nor as adults, do we want to think that there's something wrong with us constantly that we have to fix. You know, I think if we wake up in the morning thinking, oh my goodness, here are here are 500 problems that we have that we need to work on, you know, and that's what a day is going to be like. And that's what my life is going to be like. It becomes a struggle. You know, it feels like you're walking through molasses. It does for kids. It does for adults. And so what I really, really like to do with kids is be extremely authentic with them and let them know that there's nothing wrong with them. You know, there is nothing wrong with them even though maybe they've heard in different ways, right? Either in a very straightforward way, there's something wrong with you or in an underlying way, they're thinking that there's something wrong. But I let them know if you are experiencing anxiety, that's awesome, you're human, right? Your brain is actually strong and it is functioning the way that it's supposed to function. It may be overreacting a little bit, but you're perfectly normal. And so... I start there and I find from a super young age that kids are really interested in the science. I find that even five and six year olds are interested in the science of the brain and the body and what's going on. So I go from, yeah, this is something that all of us experience, you know, now why do all of us experience it? And then I will tell them a story about, about the brain and I will tell them stories about, you know, back in the day, when we were cave people and we had to go out and we had to hunt and we had to gather, essentially I'm telling a, a fight or flight or freeze response story, right? Why does our body do this to us? I'll say, you know, we needed something to protect us. And, and so our brain has this part of the brain that can actually protect us. And that's the part of your brain that actually can create some anxiety. But you know what it really is? It's protection. And so they get excited, they get engaged, they know that you're not, you know, excuse my language, but BSing them, 
right? Because yeah. you're speaking from a point of where, at least whatever we understand about science right now. Um, and so I find that that creates an opening, you know, for kids. And like, you can see that when you're talking about the science or within you're, when you're talking about the idea that everyone gets anxious, just oh, the shoulders like relief. Yeah. 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 I like the normalizing of it. I think that maybe that's something that a lot of parents miss, you know, is just that, that normalizing of this is a part of the brain that reacts this way to protect us. And so then how would you talk about that with, with OCD? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because if it's just generalized anxiety or another type of anxiety, a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy techniques will work. So a lot of restructuring, a lot of reframing of what's going on, a lot of you've fallen into a thinking trap or I call them thought holes, you know, and let's fix those. For OCD, not as much, right? Um, because for OCD, it can be something completely different neurologically going on. Um, the way that I like to explain it to kids is that basically it your brain, you have a brain box inside your brain. It's like an email inbox. And you are keeping track of all the email instead of putting a bunch of it into spam, right? So your spam filter is broken, basically. And you're paying attention to every single thought. But guess what? we all have strange thoughts. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I have them all the time. You know, we all have things that we could think about over and over and over again, and things that maybe we're not proud to talk about, right? We're embarrassed to talk about. Like, I have those thoughts too, but they go into my spam filter because my spam filter is working. So for you, we have to work on exercises that can get that filter back up and running because that's basically what you need. And so for them to understand it from that point of view, again, um, it makes it more relatable, you know, first of all. And look, there's something that's going on with your brain and the way that it works, but it can be tweaked. And we all have things, you know, in our life that need to be tweaked. And so I get a lot of response from that, you know, an openness to like, okay, I get that, you know, I get what's going on. You do get, you do get focus from kids on like, why is this happening to me? And adults, you know, like, why me? Why is this happening to me? And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get, I always validate first. I get that it's a struggle. And I get that you're like, hey, how come this is happening to me? But then I try to tell them, listen, every one of us, I promise you, has some struggle going on, right? Some challenge going on. And this one is just yours. But the awesome thing is, is that there are tools that you can use to work on it. Yeah. And I, I love the way that you're very empowering, even though like you're describing what's going on, it's, it's still such an empowering message, which, and it's uplifting. I like the distinction that you use between anxiety and OCD, because I think I think a lot of parents might just do the anxiety explanation, even if they have a kid with OCD. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that would worry me just because I feel like you don't want your child to think that their brain is seeing an emergency that's accurate. You know, it's just overreactive versus right. a spam filter. I, I love that analogy. And I've had kids who have, and we'll talk about this um, in a little while about your, your programs, which are so cute and helpful for kids. 
And I've had a few that have taken your OCD program and they will come in and they'll use that language. They'll be like, you know, my spam filter is not working. Yeah. It's so <laughs> cute. And it's so easy for me to kind of, as a therapist, pick that up and, and kind of um, like validate that. They, I mean, we're tapping into something that they have, like they have a wellspring of, you know, their imagination can, can really guide them. It's easy to tap into. They love to use it. It's a healing tool for them. So I think giving them something, personifying things like we do in the programs that we have at Gozen, we use a lot of personification. It's fun for them. You know, it adds some levity to what they're going through and it just really helps them understand because, you know, as you said, sometimes there is not a distinction made between anxiety and OCD. And certainly there should be. Um, and obviously, the you know, the protocol or the treatment or the intervention that you're going to use with your child should be different. Because a lot of kids with OCD, you know, they know, like, this isn't right. They don't want to have, they don't want to be doing the compulsion, right? They don't want to be thinking the thought. And the logic that you give them to trust you or, you know, you don't have to do that. There are no germs on your hands, whatever the, whatever the obsessive thought or the compulsion may be, it's not going to go away with words, you know, and with logic. Yeah. And I think that's it's such a good distinction because I think with anxiety, you know, you can try to reframe, you know, the way that a child's thinking and you can really go down and explore those thoughts in a way that's going to be really helpful. And with things and with OCD, that's not helpful at all um, because yeah. the child knows it's irrational. Yeah, you could go down, you know, and you could get to the get to the core and get to the accurate thought, which is like there are no germs on my hands, right? Or like not enough to do anything that I have to wash them. But they know that, as you said, you don't need to kind of get to that core or like to the accurate thought with them because they get to the accuracy and they're like, okay, well, I still have to do it. Yeah, thanks so for that. What? Yeah, thank, thank you for yeah. that. But no, I still have to go wash my hands. So yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Well, let's talk about your program since we brought it up because um, I went back on your site. I hadn't been on it for a while and I was like, oh my gosh, she has more stuff. Like you have, <laughs> you can help it. <laughs> They're really, really good. So you have, um, I mean, like obviously the ones that I see in my practice and that I hear about are the anxiety one and you have an OCD one. Mm-hmm. But you also have mindfulness, which I think is so important mm-hmm. for anxiety and OCD. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had, you had a few others too. I think you had negative thinking. Can you talk a little bit about your programs? Yeah. So we create animated programs to help kids thrive, basically. And we have specific subjects that we work on. So our flagship program is called Go Zen, and it's for anxiety um, and or stress management, you know, because there are a lot of schools that we work with that don't necessarily have a population of kids that have anxiety, um, but maybe are stressed out, right, or overwhelmed, or maybe they just don't have a diagnosis. Um, so we have the Gozen Anxiety Stress Management Program, and then we have a social and emotional learning program called Go Strengths, which teaches you resilience skills and really goes into a lot of um, things from the field of positive psychology, which is my background. So we talk about what's right with you, what are your greatest strengths? How do you develop an optimistic mindset? You know, and we use the same scientific rigor with all of that good stuff that we do when we're working on kind of getting rid of the things that you want to get rid of. And so that one's a that one's a really empowering program. You know, I like the words that you use, Natasha, because kids are like, what do you mean I have strengths? It's like, yeah, you know, we can actually take these surveys and find out what your greatest strengths are. So that one is um 
That one's a longer form program, Go Strengths. It's about 10 modules, 113 animations, um, often used in schools or therapeutic practices, and then used by parents. And then we have, you know, as you mentioned, there's a mindfulness program. We have a panic attack relief program. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. That's yes. <laughs> that one I hadn't seen before. Yeah. Yeah. That's that one was fun. I'm laughing because it's such a wild program. Like <laughs> the the cartoons that we make. So we teach an animated format basically. And our goal was not to kind of cut the middleman out, you know, not to not Natasha, not to cut you and I out, right? As like <laughs> the coaches that cut out. Um, but really the idea that kids are pretty sophisticated. And they can learn a lot of tools on their own and they can learn directly and they can, and it doesn't have to be so serious all the time, right? We can add levity, we can use imagination, we can use creativity. These are all tools that they have, you know, in abundance anyway. And so we use all of those things in the program. So the idea is that the kids watch the cartoons, they learn the skills, and then they're supported by their parents, their therapists, their school teachers. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're great. And I, I do feel like sometimes cutting out the middle person is, is not a bad thing. You know, I feel like there are so many barriers to therapy in and of itself. You have, um, you can't find a really good provider like you and with OCD, especially not to Mm -hmm. go on about OCD, but it's super hard to find an OCD specialist. Mm -hmm. Um, anxiety is not as hard, but I think it's still hard to find a really good therapist. And there's a lot of rural areas. There's a lot of people in different countries that don't have access to mental health in the way that they can. There's financial barriers. And then there's a stigma. You know, I think that a lot of times kids don't want to go to therapy or a partner doesn't want their child to go to therapy. And so to get through all those layers of barriers to get into therapy is somewhat of a miracle in and of itself. And so if people could have access to tools that would help them directly in their home, it would be huge for so many families. So I think accessing your, your programs, um, learning online is, is a great thing. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that, you know, for all of the reasons that you mentioned, for stigma, for inaccessibility, um, it's cost prohibitive for a lot of people, right? So most of the kids that need help will never get help. I believe the number, you know, and this is the number that they have based on the statistics that they have, but it's like 80% of kids who have some mental health issue or challenge will never get the help that they need. And that is that's unconscionable, you know, for us as, as a group of individuals raising this generation, right, not to be able to give them the help that they need. Yeah. And so really, we have to have programs like this or other ways for kids to directly access tools. Yeah. Yeah. I think a kid might be more open to watching a video at home than they would be to going like, to see a therapist. I think that, that that leap is a huge one. And I think if you can get anxiety, yeah or OCD on their radar, you're going to make some progress. I mean, we get asked all the time, you know, from parents, so how do I get my kids to watch this video? Like, that's the big, like, how do I get them to do it? And I said, well, I say to them, that's our job. You know, if I haven't built the engagement into there, if I haven't piqued their interest, then I've done something wrong. I don't want you to have to shove it down their throats because clearly for any change to happen with any human, there needs to be buy-in, right? There needs to be intrinsic, something that comes from within you, the motivation to make the change. Otherwise, it's just another burden 
for anyone, for a kid, like, oh my goodness, you're giving me this other thing to do, right? And you're saying something is wrong with me. And those are the things that we want to remove those barriers from the beginning. A, there's nothing wrong with you. You're human. And that's what the beginning of all of these programs will show you. You're acting in your own humanity, basically, in the interest of your humanity. And then, you know, the, the other thing is, is that it can be entertaining. Why does it have to not, like, why does it have to be not be entertaining? And I know that you feel that too, Natasha, because when I watch your videos, I mean, you make me laugh, you know, <laughs> or just for kids, like, oh my goodness, I didn't think this was going to make me laugh. I thought this was very serious. Like, I have a very serious problem and it's going to be very serious. <laughs> yeah. And I think sometimes parents think that it has to be serious. Um, you know, all, all parents will email me and they'll say, you know, I personified their anxiety and, you know, we're calling it Bob or whatever. And I don't think this is working because they're laughing every time I say Bob. <laughs> and I'm like, what part of that is okay? Like wrong. Like why, why can't it be funny and uplifting and silly while working on it? So incredibly therapeutic, right? For it yeah. to be funny and silly and like to be able to laugh at it. Yeah. yeah. No, I think humor is huge. And so, yeah, I think you want to, as parents, you want to incorporate that. And you're bringing up some good points because I feel like it is hard to get kids to even sometimes even watch a video. Um, I think it's easier because like I have, I have multiple layers. So I have, um, you know, my therapy practice and to get a kid into therapy is, is can be tricky depending on the kid. Some kids are like banging on the door and they really want to come in. I have online classes, you know, mainly for parents, but one for kids and to get them engaged and committed to like a couple of hours to sit there is really a little bit hard. Then I have a book, but even to get them to pick up and read a book is a little bit hard. And the videos I think are the easiest, like bite-sized videos directly for kids that are entertaining is absolutely the easiest, most digestible way to help. And I think kids will most likely do it. I don't really see as much of a problem. Kids will watch my YouTube videos. I think they'd watch your cute cartoons. I don't think there'd be nearly as big of a leap to do that. But you're going to get some kids who don't want to do anything that has the word anxiety, OCD on it. So right. what do you do with those kind of kids? Yeah. So sometimes there is just serious resistance, you know, because they don't want to do that. And I think you need to always meet your kid where they're at, right? Because what are you going to do if you're fighting resistance? You're basically adding fuel to a fire, right? It is not going anywhere. So we can't use fear-based tactics when it comes to these things. You really have to kind of win them over to the idea that, look, we're all a work in progress. We're all working on these things. And so I always start from a place of strengths. So it's, you know, it depends on sort of what you're doing. So if you're trying to use an online program, for example, and your child is being really resistant to it, like, I don't want to watch those videos, you know, they're, you know, there's multiple things you can do. So one is, is that you could play the video in the background, like you watch the video as the parent or, you know, as the grandparent, and then watch that very quickly pique the interest of your child. Like, what are you watching, mom? Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm watching this for me to educate myself, you know? I love that. That's yeah. great. And then kids get interested right away. Um, the other place that you can start is start with their strengths. There are very few kids that I have met that don't want to learn about their strengths, you know, and what they're amazing at. So you can take this survey with them. So you can take the VIA character strength survey. There's a bunch of different strength surveys, but they particularly have a good one for youth. 
and you can take it with them and it will tell you your five greatest strengths, right? And when you start from a place of, and I'm not talking about positive thinking, right? So all of this is that the underbelly of all of this stuff is based in a lot of research, right? So there's a lot of science behind these sur- the survey that I'm particularly talking about. But when you start from a place of strength, it just opens them up because what you need to do with a child that's resistant is build a connection. Right? So if you think about it in your own life, you know, who do you go to when you have a problem and who do you allow into your life? So if you have a problem, like let's say at work and you go home to a roommate or a spouse or a friend or whomever, and um, they're not being kind to you or they're constantly trying to fix you, you know, instead of listening to you, you probably aren't going to share your issues with them or open up to them. So if I came to you, Natasha, and I was like, oh my goodness, I had like the worst day of work ever. Right. And you were like, oh, just get over it. Or, you know what, here are these 10 things that you can do to fix it. (laughs) Back off for a second. You know, (laughs) I just need a listening ear. So what our kids need in the beginning, even though it's so hard and I'm a parent myself. So the knee jerk response is like, let me fix it. Let me fix it. I know how, let just do this thing. I don't know why you're not listening to me. It will fix it for you. Right. So we need to put the agenda aside on fixing and really rebuild a connection to them where they're open to telling us what's going on. That is the first step to any child that's resistant. And once you get that. And another way that you can get it is really just turning the focus on yourself and talking about yourself, right? So um, I'll just give you an example. My daughter started kindergarten yesterday and I think she's having a hard time. That's my guess, right? And I might be projecting that I'm guessing and she's not opening up about it just yet. So when I went home yesterday after work, I know I wanted her to talk about it and I was having a hard time getting her to talk about it. So I just started talking about myself and like the issues that I'm having at work. Now my daughter's five, you know, so this can be very different, but actually the idea is the same. So I started focusing on like, you know, I had kind of a hard day at work today and she's five. So I'm telling her in really simple terms, I was late to something and you know how I don't like being late. And I felt so disrespectful for being late. And she started getting interested in what I was saying. And then I just stopped because I wasn't, you know, I thought it would be too obvious then to turn around and be like, so did you have a hard time today? (laughs) She started talking. So another way to get them invested is really just obviously listening mindfully, but just kind of talking about yourself authentically, right? I was trying to be authentic because kids have a really, they have a really good radar for inauthenticity, right? For fakeness, if you're being fake. So you have to be real. So again, we're talking about kids that are resistant. So being mindful, giving them space, listening to what they're saying and having one agenda only, which is connection. That's it. Not fixing, just connection. That's all. I, that is so huge. I think it's such a great, even though it seems simplistic, it's something that I think as parents, we don't often do. And, and that's, that's the number one complaint I hear in my practice is I don't want to talk to her because she just wants to fix it. And I know I, that was my learning curve with my first kid too. You know, she, she slowly stopped talking to me and eventually like when she was 12 or whatever, I'm like, what's up? You know, she's like, well, you're just always going to give me a solution. (laughs) I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm so sorry. I mean, I know the answer, but yeah, just sitting with the validation and 
and just understanding how hard it is. And I, I love your idea also about being real. I think the more human we can be to our kids and authentic and share our stories, the more they see that we're not just mom or dad, but like we get it, but we're not saying it from a perspective of like when I was your age, it's just like, yeah, you know, I've been scared. I'm scared now sometimes. This is what happens to me. And I think then we kind of build in some respect and some trust. It's hard. You know, I have compassion for like mama bear and papa bear. Absolutely. Like I have a lot of compassion for parents because I know, as you said, a lot of times we, we know the solution, you know, but it's not our job necessarily to give the solution or execute the solution, but to guide our kids along to empower them to try it for themselves right and that part is hard because it can be slow and if you're a person like me who's instant I like instant things I'm like I like to get it done you know let's like make this happen then slowing down can be hard but if you're feeling disconnected from your child if you feel like they're not listening to you they don't even you know they're rolling their eyes at you then the first thing that you have to do is slow down you might even take an entire day of just listening if you've ever done that and literally like very little speaking, you know, you might have to speak for like very urgent things, but just, (laughs) just giving space. Yeah. Yeah, and And I, it comes, I think you bring up another really good point, which is sometimes when our kids have problems, we just want, we want to fix it. We, and a lot of times we know how to fix it or we read all the books and we do all the research. And so we know what they need to do in order to fix it but they're on their own timeline and it's their own journey. And a lot of times parents are like five steps ahead when it comes to like what I think they should be doing, but their child is still in like engagement mode. Like they're not even like, okay to talk about anxiety or OCD. And the parents are already talking about like all the interventions and approaches that we're going to do and how do we set it up? And I look at the child and like, they're not even ready to even say, I have this struggle going on. So recognizing that it's their own journey and that, that they have to do it at their own pace is, is a, it's a good thing to highlight, I think, to parents. Yeah. And it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard to come to embrace that. Like they are on their own journey and that most people are experiential learners, you know, and they're going to learn not by the words we're telling them, but through an experience. And it's hard to watch our kids be uncomfortable. That's one of the hardest things to watch their discomfort. Yeah. yeah, it can be, but you know, we have to be able to tolerate their discomfort because, and it just lend them the perspective of strength because they do have it, right? They have the resources inside of them. And I think just having that belief that they can get through certain things and that you can get through certain things that they're getting through, you know, whether that be social anxiety or test anxiety or OCD or, or what they're going through, it's, yeah, allowing that space to know that this is something that you can navigate through, but it has to be like, you both have to be doing it sort of together. Yeah. You can't, I, for, you can't force it on them, essentially. No. And I, I think you can set it up in a very encouraging sort of way. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like you can empower them, like educating yourself and really understanding anxiety or OCD is, is huge. It's a really important factor, but then what do you do with that information? And I think slowly empowering your child with one, like I always tell kids and I tell my own three anxious kids, I say, look, we're genetically doomed. We all have anxiety at our house. It's just part of our family tree. Some people have diabetes. Some people have other stuff. This is our deal. But the good news is with anxiety and OCD, 
like we can change our brain. Like there are ways that we can change our brain. You can't change your pancreas, but we can change our brain. So that's cool. So then I, you know, I talk about it from an empowering part of, you know, part point of view. Like, how do you want to do this? So every time my kids have a struggle, there's always, it's like a game show at my house. It's always like, you could take a challenge or, you know, I could walk with you to the bathroom. You know, I can lay with you for sleep or you can take a challenge. And so I think it's developing that language um, to motivate them. But then if they say, I don't want to take the challenge, I want you to come with me to the bathroom. It's like, okay, I'll come with you. Yeah. Because it's your deal. It's not my deal. Yeah. Having that language. Yeah. And I also think, you know, just bridging on that, taking little steps, you know, I, again, I think it can be so overwhelming to think of this big, huge thing that you're trying to work on. Um, and so, you know, whatever that may be. So maybe, uh, maybe a child is going into their junior year in high school and this is like testing year, right? And maybe they have massive anxiety that they're experiencing over these big, huge looming tests that they have coming. And that can be like a big thing because the story in their heads might be, oh my goodness, I have to take these college entrance exams. And then if I don't do well on them, then I'm not going to get into school and then I'm not going to get a job and then I'm going to be homeless basically, right? Like our brain, that's like where our brain goes. We, we create the story into the future. So I think really taking things in smaller steps, like baby steps and hitting baby success milestones can be huge for yeah. everything, right? And it also helps us get started because for a lot of kids in whatever it may be, it's, it can be hard to get started, right? Getting started, like task initiation of any kind can be really difficult. Yeah. And I, and I think when, when we catastrophize as parents, you know, even as an anxious parent, I totally get this. Like we, we, we want big steps. We want big progress and we forget to celebrate the little steps. And when you celebrate the little steps, it turns into big success. So, you know, if you have to stand outside, just use my analogy about the bathroom again, like if you have to stand outside of the door, but you're not inside holding your daughter's hand on the potty, that's huge. (laughs) That's progress. Or if you're sitting on your child's bed, but you can leave before they fully fall asleep, that's huge. So I literally, you can make a micro commitment to a micro step basically. And that can make, and those little changes add up. They do. Right. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think the first step is, is education. So having them, um, you know, take, take your programs or learning themselves, I think is, is a great first step in getting kids to, to understand stuff and empower them. So if you, yeah. So for, for your programs, what age range does it market towards? You know, it's so funny. So when we started the programs, it was like, okay, we're building these for middle schools, right? But it's kind of this idea that you always have this idea of what you're doing. And then the, you know, the person or the child that's actually using it is going to give you the information that you thought you had. So we thought it was for middle school. Um, It skews a little bit younger. So it's late elementary to middle school, but because most of our programs only have one age track, it's being used it from five to like 18 <laughs> right now. Um, but I would say, you know, if you're pinning me down like for a sweet spot, it's late elementary to middle school. And we teach a lot of research-based coping techniques, essentially research-based resilience skills, um, research-based uh, positive psychology skills to help kids thrive. And we do it in kind of cartoon format. 
and we work directly with parents. So parents go on our site and they buy programs and they watch them with their kids at home um, or the kids watch them, you know, kind of with the parents in the background. We work with schools and then we work with therapists such as yourself who use it as a support tool for the work that, you know, that they're doing. So with the therapist, do they, do they show it in their office or do they have? They do. So they'll show it in their office, you know, so if they're talking about X, Y, and Z concept that day, so they're talking about restructuring or reframing something, or they're talking, talking about a thinking trap, then they'll play one of those videos that are relevant to it. And for the feedback that we get from a lot of therapists is that just helps it click. It like really makes it the concept sticky for the child. Um, they'll have a lot of aha moments in watching the video like oh yeah Uh, also in the characters that we create a lot of kids will see themselves in the character like yeah that kid's just like me yeah I love that and I think um, engaging kids whether it's at home or in a therapy office is so important you know they this is a society where like they're used to like social media and engagement. And so that's, that's the way they're going to learn too. Yeah. 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 So where can people go to get, to sign up for the programs? Yeah. The best place to go is gozen.com. So it's G O Z E N.com. And we have lots of free resources too. So there's free animations you can sign up for. Um, We have lots of blog articles. You know, we also have a YouTube channel. And so you can check stuff out there. And then we have paid and premium programming for, you know, like we talked about parents and educators and therapists as well. Such a good resource. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that and just sharing your wisdom and your like uplifting approach on how to help kids with anxiety and OCD. Thank you, Natasha. And the feeling is mutual. I love your work. Thank you for all that you do. And thank you for having me on. It was an honor. So I hope you found our conversation as uplifting and inspiring as I have. I love the way she talks about these issues because she is very positive and she's very empowering, both to parents, like just listening to her as a parent, it's very uplifting, but also directly to kids. So definitely go check out her stuff at gozen.com. Super, super cool and a great way to engage your kids directly. If you're enjoying my podcast, don't forget to leave a review. If you have just a second, you can hit a star on iTunes and show your support, or you can leave a review and a comment and talk about how you are enjoying the podcast. I hope you're finding a sparkle in everything you do, and I will be back next Tuesday. We're going to be talking about how to handle your own stress and anxiety when raising kids with anxiety and OCD. You get the struggle. So do I talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.